This week on Dig Me Out. I lost my heart under the bridge to that little girl. So much to me. And now I'm old. And now I holler. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay, we are more than halfway through the year. Really? And yes. And, oh and it is time once again... For our sixth—that's a hard word. Sixth wow. poll. This is our June poll, Jay, from the sixth month of the year. Got a got a tooth thing going on there. I don't know what's going on with that saying that word number six with the th at the end. I gotta I gotta admit I'm just right now envisioning that we're we're halfway through this year. We are only halfway we, through. We can, we, we can start to see the other side of the tunnel, I guess. It's been dark, but there's a glimmer of light down there. Yep. And at the other end of that tunnel are murder hornets making their final appearance, waiting for us. Uh, for this poll, Jay, it was, it, was a, uh, it was close for a while, and then we had an artist pull away. A lot of votes, a lot of interesting choices. Let me go through them. Let's go through our our picks or or who what the picks were in and who picked them for our June poll. It definitely doesn't. Uh, I don't know that this one's going to help our our theory of most popular wins, like most commercially successful pop culture. Right. Radar. Well, to be quite honest, you know, looking at this poll. There are three artists that I thought, well, they have the best chance. Right. And the one I thought would win, well, the two I thought would would be up there were the second placed uh, vote getters. So let's I'll just get into it. Uh, yep. With one vote coming in last, Shihad, the General Electric, that was um, suggested by adrian reed and of course if you want to suggest an album you just go to our website digmeoutpodcast.com album suggestion suggest an album pop it in there leave a comment tell us why you're suggesting it and and uh it can get into one of our polls like this and then in in tied for second to last i'm sorry last was the king gravelands not uh which was ian wobble tied for second place (laughs) She had the General Electric and 5440 Dear Dear. Let's see. So, and then also with two votes, the lowest of the low, Shakespeare, my butt. Wasn't this just in a poll, Jay? It was um, different. Different nominator, though. That was but Richard yeah, it Haller. Was, it was maybe the last, was it the last month or the month before? But it was, yeah. it was very, very recently. You don't forget a name or an album title like Shakespeare, my butt. That no. It just stays in your mind. <laughs> for a long time just ruminates in there third place died pretty doughboy hollow which was suggested by aaron died pretty actually came up also in our 80s poll because they put out albums in the 80s and the 90s so interesting tied for second place first runner up we had belly and their album Star, that was suggested by Rudy Stowell. And then Eric Peterson suggested Mark Lanigan's Whiskey for the Holy Ghost. Those did not win, Jay. The winner of the June 2020 poll, halfway through 2020, PJ Harvey's To Bring You My Love. It was a close vote. You know, nine votes to... Um, the six tie, uh, both tied with six, Mark Lanigan and and um, Belly's star. 
And there were a lot of comments about PJ Harvey. So I feel like, you know, this this kind of... (laughs) We got it together. Kind of broke that. Were you familiar at all, Jay, with PJ Harvey? I was, yes. Okay. Well, like, what... Do you own any albums? Do you just know singles? What's your familiarity level? No, I mean, I just... I was alive in the 90s listening to music. Um, (laughs) I remember Down by the Water... Probably yep. the most. Yeah. Uh, I just remember she was written about a lot. Uh, remember the album covers. There was a lot of marketing. You know, this would be pushed hard in record stores and, um, you know, in magazines and the press um, around this time and was getting some play. So, yeah, I remember, remember, you know, from that level. But no, I've never owned any of them. Gotcha. This is the album I discovered her on and it was based on the single. It took me a little while to get into the record, but I didn't end up buying it. And actually I owned it on vinyl and not an original pressing. It's like a repress from the two thousands. And then I also really liked the album that came after this, which is stories. Is that, um, what's it called? Stories by the city, stories from the city stories, from the sea that came out in 2000 and that's the one that uh there's a duet with um tom york on that record Mm -hmm. and i also liked she did a collaboration album with she did a couple of them but the one that i liked is she did with um john parish and i can't remember what the title of that is but she does, she has done a lot of duets with people. She's worked with Nick Cave. She worked with Tricky. She's uh, she was on a Sparkle Horse record. She's been on the Desert Sessions. Um, she's she performed on Mark Lanigan's album Bubblegum. Um, it was uh, the name of the John Parrish record. That's the collaboration. It's called Dance Hall at Louise Point, and that came out in 1996, which is the uh, year after this record. So she was very busy in the nineties working with a lot of different musicians as well as putting out her own records. And this was her third album. Dry came out in 1992, rid of me in 1993. Then as I mentioned, um, this came out in 95 is this desire came out in 1998 stories from the city stories from the sea in 2000, uh, her in 2004 white chalk, in 2007, Let England Shake in 2011, and the Hope Six Demolition Project in 2016. And, uh, you know, along with all of that, numerous contributions with other artists. Currently, um, her band includes, as far as her like touring personnel, includes Alan Johannes. Uh, he's backing vocals, guitars, keyboards. He's been in the band since 2014. Um, along with Mick Harvey, who is um, the Australian producer and uh, musician who's, who was in the birthday party and um, was uh, the original forming, you know, one of the members that formed Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Well, I guess he formed the Bad Seeds along with Nick Cave. He's a Bad Seed? He, he is one of the original Bad Seeds, which is, you know, a cool thing to be, to be a Bad Seed. It's better than a Bad Apple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this album, which came out in February of 1995 on Island Records, was produced by Flood, who uh, you would know from producing a ton of records, including New Order, U2, Nine Inch Nails, Depeche Mode, Ministry, The Charlatans. Uh, actually, Mark Ellis is his name. And then John Parrish, who she collaborated with on the next record, it was a producer along with... Um, her, you know, she was also a co-producer on this record. And um, there was a, I used to love these in the 90s, where you could buy like the original version of the record, which is just the CD, or then sometimes there'd be like the, you didn't even know it. And there was like a bonus CD in there that had like bonus tracks. Like, I don't know if you ever had the Soundgarden Bad Motor Finger version where there was actually a second CD that had a bunch of covers. No. Yeah, I there's a couple albums like that in the '90s that they look like exactly like what the album is, and then Mm -hmm. you open it up and it's actually a double 
so this one includes there's a um second cd that includes all of the b-sides that they used which is nice to have yeah so you don't have to go hunting down b-sides let's get into some of the comments on this well i I didn't mention pj harvey is uh from she was born in dorset england in 1969 she was originally a vocalist, guitarist, and saxophone player in a band called Automatic Diamini. I think that's how you say it. And John Parrish was the lead singer of that band, and that's how they start sort of form their friendship and why they worked together throughout the uh, throughout the '90s. So let's get into some of the comments from our patrons. Who we need to th- we need to welcome some new patrons. Jay, bunch of new folks. Matthew Bullis, Jude Venn, and Mike Ciaravino all joined us in the last couple of weeks. Very cool. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate the support. And uh, you got reminder, a vote. Yes. Yeah, and reminder to, uh, if you're a patron, to connect the Discord so you can join the, our new message board. As you yes. It, it's a channel, Jay. It's a Discord <laughs> channel. And uh, it's a great place to go and, and have discussions about, it was the day we recorded this, we were discussing Rock Docs that we had recently seen, and it's a great place to discuss audio gear, what you're list, how you're listening to things, what headphones you got, what kind of you know, stuff you got at home, what records you're listening to. We talk about new releases that are, that are out now or coming out soon, and all sorts of uh, fun and zany things happening over at our Discord channel. That's the way you can listen to us live if you don't want to listen to the recording or both. It's up to you. So it's 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 been a great uh, diversion on especially on weekends to uh, avoid doom scrolling. Yes. <laughs> all positivity. That's it's all we, fun. It's all fun. No hate, just appreciate. Hundred percent distraction. <laughs> exactly. So Whitney Bueller said belly. Sorry, Whitney. Scott Holgram said, wow, surprisingly good cover art in this bunch. <laughs> Which is for a 90s you know, group of eight albums, you're, there's a good chance you're going to get a stinker in there. But yeah. We, yeah, it was a good good selection of album covers. He said, spoiler alert, Whiskey for the Holy Ghost is, wor- is a worthy album and belly is trash. Whoa! I like to vote for albums I think I should know, but don't. So PJ Harvey... But I know Belly will win. Scott, be be confident in yourself. Belly did oh, not win. Negative. Come on, man. Darren Leach said Shihad, aka Pacifier, are one of the most exciting live bands I've ever seen. They are better live than on record, but still great to listen to. That's interesting. John Seaman said, I'm going with the Lanigan album. I like his work and own many of his solo albums, but I have never heard of this one. I love his voice, and while I'm not an expert on all of his material, I often feel Lanigan's albums lack in quality of songwriting, especially the older stuff. Hmm. I tend to use these opportunities to vote on albums as opportunities to check out, albums I never got to got around to hearing. Therefore, I'm perfectly happy if Belly wins. I own that CD, but I have never given it a listen. Well, I hope you did, John. Matt Gorey said, got to go with my fellow Wellingtonian and Kiwi brothers in Shihad. Sorry, Matt. Aaron said, I had to go with Died Pretty, but what a choice. There are five albums on this list I hope you guys cover. Eric Peterson, Whiskey for the Holy Ghost, because it's a great album. Also, it is a signal of things to come with Lanigan getting more roots rock and focusing on putting his voice way out front. Rudy Stoll says, that PJ album has a special place in my life. Freshly divorced, laying in a bed, reading Spin, I saw that album was available on that date, put on jeans, drove to the local record store, cheap thrills, and listened to To Bring You My Love late into the night. Interesting got, story. Got to make a correction. Yeah. Pollyanna was recommended by Jason Pan. Oh, Jason Pan. You, stri- you led me astray. Who lists on our bio page on Dig Me Out, one of his favorite artists is PJ Harvey. So I'm just bringing it back to you. Bringing it back. Bringing it back. <laughs> Sean Brown says, with the Lanigan record in the mix, 
it's a little bit like the varsity versus the JV. Wow. By many measures, Whiskey for the Holy Ghost is still his finest all-around disc, and that's saying something stellar. That said, I've always loved both Belly and PJ Harvey records as well. This poll is packed with goodness. Gary Moran, a bunch of good choices in this batch. I'd like to hear about 5440, but Belly, PJ Harvey, and Lanigan are all excellent options. Johnny Hooper, PJ Harvey for the win. A seminal record by a seminal Arvis. She deserves her time in the Dig Me Out spotlight. Richard Waterman, Dig Me uh, 5440 for me. They are a Canadian rock band. That equals good. Yes, it usually does. Darren Lehman says, PJ Harvey all the way. What a unique talent. And she completely juxtaposed what was happening in the mid-90s. I can hear the influence this album has on modern alt-rock and pop. It'd be nice for a strong female artist to get some much-deserved attention from this era as well. Scott Witt, bunch of good choices. I love the Belly and Harvey records. I wanted to say Lanigan, but I just saw that quote of how good bandmates were lucky to have him, so I'm picking Died Pretty. Do you, do you know what he's talking about? No. Uh, let's just say Mark Lanigan's new biography is chock full of uh, haterade towards uh, a, a number of different people. Oh, okay. uh, basically, people were lucky to be in his presence. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, being that he works with so many other people, I wouldn't expect that. I know it was weird. Okay. I don't know. Maybe maybe other people with large egos also like to hang out with someone with a large ego. <laughs> All right. I think you just nailed it. Yeah, Gavin, great selection this time. Uh, I'll plump. For Died Pretty, as I know the guys who suggested it, both the PJ and Lanigan albums are cool, although I'd prefer Rid of Me. Interesting Shihad fact, at the time of 9-11, they changed their name to Pacifier for obvious reasons. So another Aussie band, Frenzel Rom, changed their name to Shihad. It didn't work out for either, and both ended up changing back. <laughs> what? Okay. That's weird. As I, uh, Mike Bond said, as I suggested the album, I'm voting for PJ Harvey. I think it's a remarkable record that finds her bringing, bridging the gap between the noisier lo-fi roots, alt-rock aggression, and future pop-oriented desires, delivering a record that expands her songwriting prowess and sonic ambitions. This is arguably Polly Jean Harvey's finest hour. The great, uh, great selection this month, though, Belly 5440, Mark Lennigan, and Shihad are amazing albums so jay those are all of our comments from our patrons over at patreon.com forgot to mention polly pj harvey's full name is polly jean harvey thank you for bringing that up mike Not pollyanna <laughs> yeah that would have been a nice tie-in but sadly no uh, there were two singles released down by the water you mentioned it february 1995 and come on billy was released in July of 1995, I think uh, Send His Love to Me might have also been sent to radio, but I don't think that that charted. Uh, yeah, Down by the Water made it number two in the U.S. Modern Rock chart. Yeah, I remember getting a lot of play. And Send His Love to Me has a video, too. Does it? Oh, okay. That, yep. only, that, that did not chart in the U.S. Come on, Billy also did not chart in the U.S. So only Down by the Water... Managed to chart in multiple territories, as they say. Let's get into it. To Bring You My Love by PJ Harvey. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about this record. Well, sonically, it's uh, it's, it's unique. It's got a lot of um, restraint, I think, throughout it. There's a lot of, which creates quite a bit of tension. Um, I would say m- many of the songs, that, I guess the best word to describe it would be Smolder. They kind of build um, not to like a huge crescendo, but to like a tension or oftentimes at least a hook. And there's just sonically a, a signature to it um, for that reason. So to, I think, achieve that, just the way that the instruments sound, they're mic'd, you know, the drums tend to be on the softer side. Um, uh, and if they're loud, they're more, I guess, um, a little more mechanical sounding um, a lot of very extreme fuzz sounds uh, fuzz bass or fuzz guitars or fuzz keyboard to the point where like um you know if you're a guitar player or bass player who's ever you know play with fuzz pedals like 
you can reach a like almost a fart tone <laughs> which mm-hmm. is like it's so distorted it no longer you know really makes anything tonal it's just kind of a or anything musical it's just kind of a tone they push it to that extreme um on this record so it's just a sonically like very unique sounding um and you know it works well for her voice which is i think on the lower end for a female vocal um kind of in the you know she can she can get to those low notes like a chrissy hindwood and sometimes she even you know the way that she sings almost reminds me of like a a bellowy kind of like Glenn Danzigy kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. but then she can also do uh, a lot of high stuff. So I, I think knowing that she has a lot of vocal ability, a lot of personality and a voice, you know, the, the production and the sonic uh, decisions made fit that because it gives her quite a bit of space, which is smart. I think that again, that it kind of adds to the overall just feel of this record, which is, you know, her voice as the centerpiece and um, really trying to find ways to keep the songs moving forward and interesting, um, but never, I think, overshadowing her. So in the end, I think you end up with something that is pretty immediately identifiable um, and just the way it sounds. Um, And then when you kind of get into the songwriting, it's interesting. I hear two different kind of modes here. At least there is that kind of building sultry kind of subdued sound but then there's a couple songs like come on billy and even down by the river sun is love to me water sorry uh (laughs) that are very different like they have more tempo they're more like guitar oriented i guess um Mm -hmm. which a lot of the other stuff isn't it's more like a bass line or a drum beat or like an organ you know so from a songwriting standpoint there's these there's a bit of a formula but then there's those songs that pop that that break that formula somewhat um which i think this it helps i mean it gives it some some range and some dimension so yeah those that's some of the stuff that i liked I was thinking back to when I got this record in, in 95, you know, it was 21, 20, 20, 20, you know, 21, maybe 20 possibly. And it was really my first experience with listening to music that incorporated minimalism. So when you hear, you know, the opening track to bring you my love, which has this, you know, very old school, like blues feel. I mean, it sounds like a Robert Johnson or a Lead Belly song or something, the way that that guitar works. And then a song like Working for the Man, which is just all drum and, and bass, working in perfect, you know, perfectly synced up for much of that song. And I never really heard music like that where it was so restrained and so really focuses you to like concentrate and listen. Like this is at, at least the first couple times I wasn't something that I could wrap my brain around. Cause you know, I was like just listening to Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and to hear stuff like this was just kind of mind blowing. And um, I've always gone back to this record because of those restrained moments and I can hear her influence, especially this record, on artists up to uh, today. I mean, think about like a Billie Eilish. And you can connect the dots with, with Billie Eilish and the way that PJ Harvey sings, her her 
use of rhythms. I mean, it's it's a really interesting record in that it doesn't sound like anything that came out at the time. I mean, this is the Alanis Morissette era. You know, those were big alternative rock songs. And this is so different from any of that. And it's always worked for me because of that, because it's so of itself and really nothing in her catalog sounds quite like this. She would approach it here and there with some experimentation, but you know, the next, well, not the next record, but stories from the city is, is a very not pop record, but there are some big rock songs on that record. And it gets to me, it sounds, it's getting more into like Patty Smith and, and sort of like anthems and stuff like that. And I just, this is so unique of a record and it just has always worked for me. And I'm always thrown off by um, Long Snake Moan because the record is so tight. And then you get that just huge guitar, bass, drum interaction on that song. works all of it all of it just works uh, really well for me i mean there's some nitpicking here and there but um, i think it's a really well constructed record and there's so many cool things going on with regards to you know f- pinpointing the exact right sounds for these minimalist approaches and finding the right tones and and just getting stuff that sounds like creepy you know um working for the man has a creepy feel to it in in, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, this wasn't hard. I mean, I listened to it, the first time I listened to it, for specifically for this episode, I, I instantly, like, knew everything that was going on. So it was really, I had to, like, d- divorce myself a little bit and go, okay, what songs work best and which ones don't, and sort of had to take a little bit more of an analytical approach to them. But yeah. what do you think about a song like, you know, Long Snake Moan is kind of its own thing. Um, how'd that one strike you in comparison to the rest of the record? Uh, I like that much better. Now, it's it's more familiar sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, but it maybe it's it's a matter of time. You know, this is the kind of record that you need to spend time with to really get it. But it's it's just less subtle. You know, that song, it's just, boom, it's there. You know, it's big. It's It's in your face. She's very, like present you know vocally you know i think early in the record and i'll just kind of transition to some of the things that didn't work um it's so restrained you know it it does it takes your it takes your attention um i mean you have to focus you have to pay attention to what's going on because otherwise it just kind of becomes ambient which can be fine but i don't think that's what they were going for you know, so I think it just definitely takes energy and attention. The first, I would say, three songs. And then Come On Billy is just like like a di- whole different mode. Mm-hmm. Um, sonically, it's different. Just the whole spirit of that song is just different. And then from there, the, the, I think the record takes a bit of a turn for a while. So then Teclo is a little bit more, you know, present, immediate, like layered. Long Snake Moan is... It's just a good alt rock song. Um, mm-hmm. I think her vocal performance in that is that's where you really hear what you know she brings as a as a singer when she's got that whole band behind her uh, sound and like can just get over top of that 
easily and just bring a lot of emotion. Um, and I think it wasn't until I got to that song where it made sense to me, like what, what she was doing, what personality was. I think on the, let's say the first three songs, it was so restrained and like difficult to really grab onto that. I wasn't confident in what, what it is she was, um, in terms of a singer and, um, like what kind of even emotion she was could bring to a whole record. So to me, that was kind of a big highlight and that's right, right in the middle. And then I think then you get in the down by the water, which I think really shows the songwriting more so than anything. It, to me, it was one of those clear, it's a clear single, you know, mm-hmm. when you compare this to the rest of the record, uh, you, it's just heads and shoulders above anything else when it comes to just craft and understanding how to write hooks and it like takes all the little pieces and parts of everything that is on the record before it and just puts it together in a really uh, effective, you know, accessible way. Yeah. Long, long snake moan to me was where I got the record, I think, and got what this was about, even though it's more on the kind of big rock side, it sort of brought everything together and material before that wasn't quite doing. Well, I think it, it adds a flavor you know, if it if this had been a whole record of the restraint of of to bring you my love and working from the man, and then sort of the noise of meet the monster, I think it would have been a a little tedious. But I think that when you add in the acoustics of "Come on, Billy" and "Send His Love to Me," and then the the aggressiveness of "Long Snake Moan," it really provides a nice diversification of the, of the whole record, and you get a lot of different, you end up getting a lot of flavors. Whereas I could see where someone listens to the first three songs. I'm like, Oh, this isn't for me because they're aggressively unique in their own ways. And there's nothing, especially in 1995, there is not a lot to latch onto at the beginning of the record for you to say, well, I guess this, this kind of reminds me of this or that. I would imagine it'd be off-putting, especially for, you know, she wasn't huge in the United States, whereas in the UK, she was already sort of more established with the first two records. So I'm sure people were, you know, willing to give it a little bit of a more of a shot, whereas, like you said, Down by the Water is just a really well-constructed, interesting, you know, sonically interesting, melodically interesting song, and it had a good video, so it made sense to take a shot with that as the as the single. But as far as stuff that doesn't work, there's I think there's maybe like two songs, maybe really only one song. I think I'm a mother is it doesn't hold up for me. Yeah. Um that's really the only that, one. That song is so primitive. Like it's just um it almost sounds like tribal music or something. Which when you listen to the rest of the record, you're like, you know, there's so much else going on here. Like, where is this? Mm-hmm. Why is this song here? What is going on? But yeah, I, I agree with you. That is not uh, one of the highlights of the second half of the record, for sure. But I, I, I think when you take it as the whole and you start figuring out where all these things fit, like, there's there's an interesting aspect to each. Each thing brings its own, each song brings its own unique flavor from the first to the last, like the dancer, the closing track has this dreamy spaghetti Western kind of feel to it. It's it's like a sixties, yeah. you know, like Clint Eastwood, you know, high plains drifter Enrico Morricone or however you say that guy's name. who did all those um, soundtracks, but it's got like that feel. Sky. I love it longer as each damn day goes on. 
really works for me the the way that she builds songs like when the the organ comes in into bring you my love when all you had is the guitar and the vocal like it's really big and it it plays it a really important part whereas if that had been like kind of a full song it wouldn't be it wouldn't matter as much but the organ gets to like stand out and and really be important um, I think a few of them, you know, there's a, there's some length to a couple of the songs that maybe th- they don't need to be as long as they are. Like To Bring You My Love is five and a half minutes. Yep. Um, Teclo is five minutes. Working for the Man is almost five minutes. There's a, definitely a little bit of length, but, you know, Working for the Man has this just cool groove going on that I don't want to mess with. I could just listen to that groove going for a while. So I'm not going to beat it up too much. But I don't have any, really any major complaints. And which should be evidence is I've been, you know, a fan of this record since it came out. So it's just, in in my estimation, has grown in, in value because of the fact that she's never really gone back to it. It's really stood alone in her catalog as being unique and part of that is just she's an experimental artist and she likes to to push and and challenge herself on you know following records um but also nobody's really captured that sound you know using the minimalism but also with some real harsh distortion tones but also incorporating some some very like primitive blues riffs and it's just uh it's an interesting Concoction. I don't know if anybody else could pull it off. I definitely don't think in the 90s anybody could have pulled this off quite the same way. I think this was this was the only person that could make this unique of a record. Yeah. mentioned that down by the water that that did do okay uh, both in the u.s uh uk canada made it to the top 50 in the billboard hot 100 which is not not too shabby i don't hear a clear single after that though it's not as it's not as blatant as uh as you know i thought i actually thought that maybe edited long snake moan could have been a single um, just taking advantage of its loud, you know, qualities and, and being 1995, there's still plenty of loud rock bands putting out singles. Sure. Um, but I don't really see that there's a, a, a really convincing follow-up single 
on the record. So it only, you know, as of the 2000s, this hadn't even gone gold or platinum in the U.S. So it sold a lot around the world, but just not outside the world. Outside the, it's worldwide, it's like over a million, but the U.S. it's like, you know, 370,000. Yeah, so. I thought that I think they picked the right singles. I just, it's just I think that the other two songs are just missing that killer hook, right? And yep. you could say, um, you know, "Down by the Water" has that cool groove and and that just vibe to it, but it also has that little fish, big fish swimming in the water thing that was, you know, it's super simple. She's barely singing, you know, she's kind of whispering it. But that is that's hooky as hell or memorable, you know. It's just one of those things that like you get that on the radio and people remember that part of the yep. song. And the other two songs don't have that. Also has that cool like orchestral stuff going on with those little plucks. And I mean, just just you don't hear that anywhere yeah. else on the record like that, and you don't hear anything uh, anything in nineteen ninety five sounding like that. Yeah. So. And it, going back to that that super fuzz bass tone, I mean, ridiculously overdriven. It works in that song. Right? Yeah, it's like the whole. That's the whole vibe. Whereas on like meets the monster, that's I think trying to be in the same sonically in the same place, but it it's it's not quite tuned right. You know, it's just not doesn't land. Um, so you kind of hear up to me like. How Down by the Water is like you take all the pieces and parts of the record and put it together into one song and it all came together. I still do like Meets the Monster just in terms of it being like this. That she can just let her voice go and and be aggressive with it. Um, The music's not as interesting, like you said, but I think it still works as a tune. So where do you land? Where the album, better EP or decent single? Well, I think it's a worthy album from the standpoint of we talked about, right? I mean, it's super unique. It was a statement. I think it creatively works. Um, But for me personally, it's probably more of an EP. Like I could see uh, Come On Billy, Teclo, Long Snake Moan, Down By The Water, and Send His Love To Me, or the would be my EP. Um, I mean, those are the songs I'm probably going to go back to and listen. I think the other stuff just in this into in 2020 just takes more energy to kind of invest in and understand and really get the get. Um, so it's hard, at least for me, to imagine myself, you know, getting to the point where I appreciate the whole album. So I'm going to be a contrarian and say just personally, it's a mm. well, Jay. Let's shake it up. Well, I'm at a word. I know I'm in the, a vast, vast, vast minority. You, you are this. To, this to me, if you were to say if if someone were to say, what are the top five albums by women in the '90s? This would be in the top five for me. With like, you know, I would put in. Jagged Little Pill by, you know, Alanis Morissette. I'd put in a Juliana Hatfield record. I'd put in, um, maybe a Breeders record and, and, uh, maybe a List Fair record. I just, I just think that this is a crazy good, unique album that, Oh, Bjork record. <laughs> maybe, maybe a Slater Kenny. I think I went over. I think I went over. I guess I got to put a Tori Amos record and, an, and a Fiona Apple record. So now I'm at top 10. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. It's a worthy record. I think it's one of the most unique in terms of, a, of an artist putting together a very singular vision that has not really been captured. I think people have taken bits and pieces of it and and like I said have have utilized it in different ways, but um it's really fascinating listen to listen to. Especially and I, 
how much it doesn't sound aged. Like if this came out today, I don't think it would sound particularly old. Like it, it doesn't have a production stamp to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think some of the some of the tones sound a little nice. extreme distortion and and whatnot. But when when I hear the '90s in it, it's not a, necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't hold it back. Right. I did but definitely I mean, want to echo the uh, the Billie Eilish point though. That was that was on on the mark. And I also want to point out, like, I also don't get her <laughs> yeah. like vocally. Like, uh, you know, most of the time I'm like, why does she sing so quiet? I don't understand. Like, she's a really good singer, but why is she so restrained? Yeah. Um, but I uh, mean, I hear the yeah, yeah, yeahs in this. You know, there's elements of them in this band in terms of the way that she sings and the way that. Karen O sings and um you know there's it's just an interesting interesting bunch of sounds that uh nobody really has tackled in in full so glad glad we got to add it to our list of uh albums that we have reviewed because I feel like it's a pretty unique record it i like you know i'm i know it's not going to work for everybody and i i i was if you had said what is jay going to um rate oh. this I, I would have bet ep oh like, come on now no i i just thought that this is this is a little bit outside your ballpark oh uh, okay that's all not that we're, we're going to do the <laughs> i knew you wouldn't get this no it's not that i <laughs> No, there have been records that you thought that I was going to get look, seaweed, Jay. I should get seaweed. I don't get seaweed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's all right. I mean, I could have took the easy road and just said record or uh, worthy album because everybody no, else thinks I'm, that. But I'm, I'm being honest. <laughs> I'm glad that you didn't that you didn't uh, toe the line. I'm That's being honest you, that three, the first three songs on the record, you know. Most of most usually when I listen to him, I was bored to tears. Here's the thing: I don't like if I just listen to this for the first time now. I don't know that I would get it. I've had twenty years, twenty five years with this record, so I'm fairly yeah you know, well, confident that I like it. I, you know, you know, I think it's worth pointing out again. Yeah, in 1995, when you got this, you you put on your record or you put in your CD and you listen to the whole thing. So mm-hmm. now, when I listen to this, and I'm like. You know, I got a five and a half minute song that is like quiet and building slowly and has all this subtlety to it. I'm like, you know, one tap away from switching to another record. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, I'm not describing myself. I'm describing all of us, you know. So the records like this, I, I think, are increasingly more difficult to appreciate just because oh, yeah. we're surrounded by so much temptation and noise and other choices you know so absolutely if you're for half a millisecond i can correct that by putting something on that's you know more in my wheelhouse or whatnot so yep i guarantee that a lot of people have heard of pj harvey and put on this record and immediately just turned it off like who who just did not take the time to get even get to the second half so yeah it was it was not a dig at you that you that i thought you'd go with an ep <laughs> Just because I I didn't think th- I I figured you know who PJ Harvey is, but and we're not extensively listening to her catalog over the years. That's all. That's all. If you disagree with Jay and his horrific opinion <laughs> of this record, please go to our Discord channel and tear him a new one, or <laughs> become a patron at Patreon. By joining the Dig Me Out Union at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com, just like our three new uh, patrons did. And that's where you can also uh, vote in the polls, both for our albums and for our roundtables. We'll very soon having a new another roundtable coming up that was recently voted on. And also you can sign up for our box newsletter where it's, you know, all the new releases reviews, a release calendar that we keep so many 
records coming out. It's been crazy. I just, you know, in the most recent um, Bandcamp uh, Friday where they where they waived their fees, I tweeted out every Bandcamp related new release that we have put in our calendar or reviewed. And I mean, there was a lot. There had to be yeah. twenty albums that I tweeted out yeah. that were relevant to us. And um, many of them really, really good, like career good records from some of these bands. So very interesting time for uh, for the podcast. And last. Yeah, I think that's that's been the only bright spot of 2020. It is. (laughs) It's just the uh, so far the first half of the year, just getting, you know, massive records by uh, some artists we haven't heard from in a long time. Shiner and Mm -hmm. Hum come to mind. Hey. No matter what happened, we got a new hum record this year. Yeah, everything is a wash after that. <laughs> uh, and lastly, uh, Apple Podcast is where you go to leave positive, uh, you know, feedback, something nice about us. My hair, I got my hair cut. It looks really good. It's been a couple months. So if you want to talk about my haircut, that's yeah, cool. you know what? I, I uh, did, did Katie do it? Yep. So I've been like a proponent of for years of like, you know, hey, your head's important, like paying, get a good haircut. But I've also, you know, my hair's a lot thinner than it used to be. But uh Courtney did my my haircut and I'm like, you know what? This isn't that bad. <laughs> like, it looks pretty good. Especially mm-hmm. since like, you know, you work from home most of the time and have I have a hat on anyway. I'm like, this'll work. This'll work. She just kept saying, I don't understand how you have so much hair. Like, kept cutting, and it just didn't seem to be going down. I was like, I, I'm like a dog with an undercoat. Like, there's so much underneath there. You don't even understand. Got a lot of hair. And on that note, we're that done. Picture. That mental picture. <laughs> that mental picture. All right. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode dig me out sorry but we just got out oh shoot hold on jay but we got out of the house If the live feed is working here, you're getting some drama. Okay. Oh. Got your breath. He uh, he ran. So we have a kind of a tricky gate to the backyard. Like when you latch it, if you don't like really latch it hard, if you push on it, the latch will slowly move up. And he saw a bunny rabbit go under the gate so he chased it and he shoved it open and ran down the street chasing the bunny and he was in the direction of he was like at the corner where hard road is yeah and luckily our neighbor spotted him and i just ran started yelling his name and he came running back to me Woo! okay